Donna, you only have a couple of seconds to answer the, each of these questions. Okay, are you ready? Ready. Okay. What is? Yes. Okay. Good. What is your favorite color? Purple. All right. If you had a trolley and you had the choice to be able to divert it in order for it to only kill one person instead of five, or five persons instead of one, what would you choose? Blow it up. Okay. And if you had to choose between which one of our cats had to live and die, which would it be? They both live. Nope. I will pick, die. We got to pick one of them. <laughs> Got to pick one of them quickly. I die. Uh, I jump in front of the bullet. I save them both. All right. You know what you just did? A lightning round. No, you made some split second decisions. I sure did, didn't I? Yes, you did. Great job. Thank you. Uh, Intro idea number two. If I were (laughs) to ever have created a hardcore metal or rock band, if I were to have created one, was the sole creator or something along those lines, I would have named it Split Exorcists. I always thought that was a cool band name. So I'm throwing that out in the universe for anybody to use. That's like one you've had in the back pocket? Just loaded in the chamber, yeah. Mm. What do you think? Is that like your two favorite movies? No, so what it was, was I, we, at one point in our lives, in our bedroom, we had a shelf filled with movies and a shelf filled with books. And so I just randomly was putting titles of books before and after titles of movies. Mm. And you had a book that was titled Split. And we had a movie that some people may have heard of called The Exorcist. And now Split The Exorcist also is... I like that. That sounds like a cool album name. Mm. Like, like I could see that being just some, some funky scrams. Scrams? Scrams, yeah. That was the kind of music we used to play. Scrams? Yeah, scram. That sounds like a bad word. It sounds like what you tell a group of kids who are, who are up to no good. On your lawn? Yeah, scram. Scrams. Yeah, scrams with a Z. Uh, that's fun. I like for, it. For those few who may be listening and don't know, Don and I played in a hardcore band for a while. Um, and Was it hardcore? Who knows? <laughs> I, that's just the easiest thing to call it, is it not? Emo. Emo, sure, yeah. Yeah, I guess hardcore, hardcore wouldn't. Post hardcore was closer to. Who cares? I don't know. It was a. It was music. There was screaming. Genres are hard to put on stuff, huh? Yeah, you know, I always told John Raw that he should be a little bit like <laughs> smoother. <laughs> like maybe if he he gained a little weight, he'd be easier to put on stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Spread this man with a butter knife. Spread this man with a butter knife. That would be another really good album title. (laughs) Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm bluegrass singer genre. This is my album. Spread that man with spread this man with a butter with sorry. Spread this man with a butter knife. The album cover is like a realistic but simple cartoon version of like uh-huh. just a man lying on a giant toast. 
Yeah, but like the bottom half of him, I imagine it's kind of a flat Stanley situation a little bit. And he's like, wow. He's he's just lying there, he's chilling. Maybe he's got like sunglasses on. And he's cool. Oh, so he's okay. So he's not even worried about being stabbed with a butter knife. Yeah. It's hard to put John Raw on things, Mm -hmm. but not if you spread the (laughs) stain. I'm starting to think that whenever um, we finally pick up the mantle of Gary Busey and the civil engineers, I should pick up the moniker John Raw. And we'll think, well, some of yours will come into the canon eventually. <laughs> oh no! No, I, th- I think it's a great. Oh, idea. can one of our song can one of our songs be? <laughs> Go on. No, come on. You're almost there. Can one of our songs be what? I'm sure I'll say yes. Spread this man with a knife? Yeah, if you wanted to just be a song, it could be. It could be a full album. I'm fine with that. Uh, can we do both? Can it be the album and like the titular track to the oh album? Oh my God, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Spread this man like a butter knife. <laughs> it's upsetting because you don't. With, sp- with, with a butter knife. But it's just, you don't tend to say like, I don't know. You're, <laughs> you're the, you're the copy editor. So like what, uh, there's something wrong about that. Like spread this man with a butter knife it just doesn't it's there's such, a lot of things wrong with that it's a it's very much it's they might so be giants good. type of type of title i feel like oh i love it spread this man with I don't, a butter i don't want it to be like that though like maybe it's jazzy man. maybe it's a scat spread this man with a butter knife superstition <laughs> <laughs> Throwing some Rob Zombie. I spread a man with a butter knife. A butter yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's my Duran. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is the bargain. Den. That's his wife, Marjorie. Oh, God. I'll be Jean Ryan. You'll be Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> Those two jokes don't really fit super well. <laughs> it takes so much explaining to get there. Because the first album of Gary Busey and the Civil <laughs> Engineers is, uh, God, it's a big circular loop. All of comedy is. You've taught me that. <laughs> Everybody, this is The Bargain Den. It's your weekly source of financial advice, a form of us not doing what we normally do, because it's actually The Bargain Den at night. Going through all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. And... Last week, we talked about Unbreakable, the 2000 breakout, unbroken out hit <laughs> starring Bruce Willis. So we are following it up with the nonlinear sequel, somewhat linear sequel of uh, Split in 2016. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I said. I said 2017. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and quickly run through the plot of Split. We're going to spoil this movie. Spoil it! Okay. So... Casey Cook is gonna what, Brandon? Uh, nothing. I just now now I did, all the names seem like they'd be so good for band names or for band member names. They're really good names. Um Casey Cook, she's a high school girl and she <laughs> You just have a like a fun way of saying it. I'm sorry, Casey Cook. Casey Cook. And um yeah, so she went to this birthday party as like a pity invite. And doesn't have a ride home. So the birthday girl and her best friend 
um, are semi-pressured by the birthday girl's dad to take Casey home, give her a ride. Um, but they don't get even out of the parking lot before a man... Um, James McAvoy. Uh, no. Dennis. Before a, a stranger knocks out uh, dad and puts himself in this car and... Um, uh, pepper spray it's not pepper spray sprays the girls with stuff that makes them pass out and they wake up in a dungeony room that they do and they're confronted with dennis who's played by james mcavoy and dennis turns out has what is known as did disassociative identity disorder and within dennis's mind there are 23 personalities, uh, primarily which we see Dennis, who is a uh, rigorous gentleman, uh, very strong by the name by the name of Dennis, uh, who has uh, obsessive compulsive uh, disorder. There's also Miss Penelope, no Miss Patricia, pardon me. Mm. Uh, all of these played by James McAvoy, and then there's also Hedwig, and Hedwig is a nine-year-old boy. And so the three girls have to survive this dungeon. Yeah, so as as they start piecing together what this is, they they do catch on that um that this man truly believes and is different personalities and the um Casey in particular starts uh, using that to her advantage. She realizes that the personalities don't necessarily have a hive mind. They have to actually tell each other things so she's able to talk to each one and start piecing things together and um but it's not enough to save them because they end up getting separated after many failed escape attempts every time someone tries to escape they are locked in a separate room to await the beast and all the while, we're also learning about Casey's backstory. Casey is played by Anya, Toy, Anya Joy Taylor also. Anya Taylor Joy. We got him backwards. Someday I'll get them right. Um, and we're learning about her backstory uh, when she was a very young girl, I believe eight. Um, she is um, assumedly molested, sexually assaulted by her uncle, who then becomes her guardian after Casey's father passes away. So clearly Casey has gone through a lot in her life up until this point. But also while this is happening, uh, Dennis, the collective uh, group of personalities, are all going to therapy because the other personalities, while um, those that have done the kidnapping are asleep, are emailing the therapist asking for help. And so the other personalities are having to kind of uh, you know, basically pretend to be the other personalities and cover for why they want to keep seeing their therapist. Yeah, so Dennis keeps having to go talk to Dr. Fletcher and pretend that he's Barry, who it seems is normally the prominent personality. Um, but Dr. Fletcher catches on, and she she sees some OCD tendencies. There's certain things that Barry normally does that Dennis isn't doing, 
And eventually she is able to coax him out into the truth of it, but he still won't totally admit what's going on. So inevitably, um, Dr. Fletcher decides to go pay them a visit in hopes of seeing what's going on because Dennis clearly has something malicious or something's going on. And that's when all hell kind of breaks loose. The individual uh, whose actual name is Kevin, we learn. Those personalities that are wanting to bring about the beast are successful. They are able to summon the beast. And the beast kills the other two girls that were kidnapped, as well as Dr. Fletcher. But decides to spare Casey's life. Because she, at the very last second, it's shown that she has apparently cut herself. Uh, on her stomach, like she's a, got scars all over that had previously been well hidden by all her clothes, but in the scuffle trying to keep the beast at bay, um, her scars are revealed to him and very apparent to be self inflicted. Um, and so, because of this, the personality, the beast decides, you know, hey, you have gone through some stuff in your life, so just as I have. So you are free to not die by my hands <laughs> and escapes. And so does Casey. And however, it does appear as though Casey is going to turn her uncle in. Um, that is the kind of kind of hinted at, not explicitly stated, but. And then we cut to a diner and we see Bruce Willis because all of this took place in the Unbreakable Universe. Dun, dun, dun. And they're like, the news is calling him the Horde because that's what the the coalition of people that wanted the Beast, the Miss Patricia, Dennis, and Hedwig trio, that's what they were called by the other personalities. And then word gets out, and so the news is calling this guy the Horde. The Horde. And this lady's like, what? Wasn't there some guy in the news before who also had a weird name like that? And Bruce Willis is like, Mr. Glass. And she just walks away as if she never cared. Yeah. What did you think of this movie? The end. The end. What did you think of this movie? I loved this movie. What did you think of this movie? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. I think it's a very fun movie that kind of is a triumph, I feel like. Because, like, this could absolutely not work on so many levels very easily, I feel like. Like, if small little things were changed about it, I don't think it would have worked as well as it did. Like, my goodness, I don't know that anybody could have pulled that off the same way that... And maybe they could have. I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed McAvoy's performance in this. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. Um very, very well embodying different people, super believable. Um, and then Anya Taylor-Joy's performance is also amazing. So is her younger self in the flashbacks. Yeah, that's a good... good. Is Izzy Coffee? They did very well. Um, and I don't know. You know, kid performances sometimes can be very hit and miss. Um, but they were very good in this very quiet and matched um case the the older casey's personality and kind of characteristics and quiet nature in the same way yeah and um 
It was just a really good story, too, I thought. There's there's a whole subplot with the... Um, Dr. Fletcher is trying to get the world to understand DID and look at it from a new perspective that it's actually this really amazing and impressive defense mechanism that the brain has that she's found in research actually alters the patient's physiology. And she's made these amazing discoveries, but people are writing her off and not really giving her very much space for it because it's uncomfortable to say that someone who seems clearly mentally disturbed is actually more powerful than you or I, mentally healthy people. And so no one really listens to her, and that's a big contention point with um, the Beast and why they want the Beast to emerge, because they'll show everyone how unstoppable um, his alternate personality can be and uh, prove that it really is a completely different being. You know, I was curious, and what I was kind of looking up just then is what you made me think of, and something I haven't really looked into about this film, is I was curious what um, the... Because DID is a legitimate um, condition that people have. People have disassociative identity disorder, Mm -hmm. and... I was curious as to what, if that community, because, you know, sometimes movies like this come out and they're like, wow, thank you for the representation. Really appreciate it. Um, That does not seem to be the case (laughs) with this one, Um, which makes sense. I mean, it's about a serial murderer having this. And I imagine anytime any kind of mental health um, concern is brought forth and presented in film as the antagonist in this way. But, you know, I, I am not the one to speak on their behalf by any means. But, I don't know, like, what kind of follows this film and the next? I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I really just don't know. I don't even feel comfortable even expressing that opinion. I don't know if you have any thoughts or are willing to, to dip into that as well. I do have so many thoughts. Another being, if you compare to Unbreakable, I mean, how do you think people with brittle bone disease felt about Mr. Glass's representation? That's very fair. Yeah, I mean, I mean, same boat. Right. And then, then I think there's something interesting to be had, a discussion of, yeah, it's, it is interesting how, I mean, at least so far, it's like there, there's kind of an ableism inherent in the film which i think is reflective of society more than anything because the whole subplot is like hey you know this is just a person with a defense mechanism and what the beast is trying to do is like essentially it's like a avenge the world like if you are broken like that's why he spares casey because she she has been hurt she has been broken and he's after the pure, those that are unharmed, untouched, sheltered. And um, it's just, it's interesting that the two, like, bad guys, so to speak, are people with mental and physical disabilities. And then the good guy in Unbreakable is just a super healthy guy. Just a super healthy guy doesn't get hurt, doesn't get sick. 
And I don't know, that's just that's something interesting to think about maybe, just as a conversation on ableism. Yeah, it is tricky. And I think what it comes down to, because here recently you and I have actually had a lot of conversations about proper representation in films and, and in different ways, largely than this. And I think what I kind of keep circling back to is I just wish more marginalized communities were provided the funding to make more movies because it's like mm. there wouldn't even be a question about this where there are several films with people with, with DID shown in more positive lights, because then it would be breaking the mold and doing something a little different with it. I feel like I could be wrong again. I won't speak for those people, but that seems, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 if, if there were more funding for arts of people that weren't quote unquote normative, you know what I mean? Then, then mm. we wouldn't, if that, that normal wasn't there, we could have these stories free of that, even needing to have this discussion. Right. Well, and I, obviously I am not afflicted with brittle bone disease nor, um, DID. So I really can't speak further of those situations either, but, um, I do have a bias. Like I'm, I'm a little selfish in this because I've had a fascination with DID. Um, like I think that's inherently interesting to people that don't have it because it is, it's strange to imagine. Like and we've all pretended to be someone else, but what would it be like if you were actually someone else? You know, and like, it's, it's fascinating. And so I have a bias where it's like, it just feeds all that fascination for me, but there's, it's not accurate. Like, obviously because it's a movie, like everyone's played up. So. Right. Well, I was looking through some of the trivia here. Um, and actually interested to find that it, that the main character is based off of an actual into real life individual. Um, the, that, uh, it looks like it's, uh, Billy Milligan. Um, that is also a good name. Well, not for this. Um, uh, who this individual apparently did have thirty or twenty three personalities, and or I'm sorry, twenty four total. Um, weird. It says twenty four personalities, but then it says there were ten desirable and then thirteen undesirable. And then there supposed like normal identity oh, and then there was sorry no oh and then the lastly there was the teacher a fusion of all of those personalities oh interesting huh but they were charged with three um uh, three counts of rape mm. um, just interesting um also apparently walking phoenix was initially cast but they could not reach an agreement Somehow. I'm so relieved. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix is a really talented actor, but I can't, I can't picture myself taking him seriously as Hedwig and then as Miss Patricia and then as Bear, you know, like, and I don't know, he he would have played them differently because he's a different person, but I just, I really, really like the way James McAvoy did it. I feel like to me, I think that the part of it is, is that I don't, I've only seen a handful of stuff with James McAvoy. I actually could see Joaquin Phoenix doing this and pulling it off, but there's something about the way that McAvoy 
I don't know. It's almost kind of like a put me in coach moment and not saying at all that McAvoy has not had a very great career surrounding this film as well, but it does just kind of feel as though like, I don't know if somebody had said, okay, this is the role, you know, and not knowing what it was going to end up being, would you pick either James McAvoy or Joaquin Phoenix? I probably would have said Joaquin Phoenix, not knowing Mm -hmm. just how, what would I have missed out on? Um, really loved McAvoy and uh, Wanted was the first time I saw a movie with him that I was really enamored with. Yeah, I don't know. Let's just real quick. I mean, where does this kind of sit with everything else? M. Night. This is one of my favorites, I think, so far, which this is also one that we saw in theaters when it came out originally. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things I really appreciate about this is that even though it's technically a sequel, um, I feel like I remembered being very, very assured by you. And I think we went with some friends and everyone was like, you don't have to have seen the first one. I think one or two of us also hadn't seen it along with me. I had not seen it. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. And so it was really nice to have watched it having not seen Unbreakable and felt like it was a really good complete movie where I just didn't get the final little, like more or less it was a cutscene, you know, like, but then to rewatch it, having seen Unbreakable and be like, yeah, no, I did not miss anything. Like literally just that little cutscene, And I was like, it didn't matter really. It was just like, there's going to be another movie. And it it's just such a complete and good movie all by itself, which I really appreciate. You know, I'd like your opinion on this because I think I might be of the mind that I actually think that ending cutscene that hints to the next one actually brings down the movie a little bit to me. Like, not even the fact that I don't really care for the cutscene itself, but it it feels so out of left field. And I mean, good for him. Like, I I don't I'm like not upset about it. Like, I'm I'm actually I'm happy that that move was made because I think it's kind of brave kind of courageous to to splice these together Mm. to splice is a different movie, but, um, but at the same time, it just, I think it might be the worst part of the whole movie. (laughs) It definitely is. Um, I, I, it feels like it is a different movie. It doesn't feel like it is actually the same movie. It feels like you got a trailer for a different movie at the end of this one. Well, and like, because neither of us had seen Unbreakable, I remember feeling as though I wasn't in on something for the entire movie. Like, I feel like like mm-hmm. I, I needed to have watched Unbreakable to have gotten it. And like you just said, that is not the case. And it just kind of felt like it was like, <laughs> if you know, you know. And it was like, oh, darn it, I don't know. And I feel so left out. I feel like I the whole movie, like. Yeah, like how many things did I miss? Which, if you haven't seen Unbreakable and you want to watch Split, you'll miss nothing. I mean, you can watch those two movies really completely out of order. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you can't watch out of order is next week's movie, which is Glass. Yeah. (laughs) That one, you have to watch these two first to have any kind of idea what's going on. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I like so much about it is like Unbreakable was a really good movie on its own. Split, really good movie on its own. And uh, we'll talk more about it next week. But then it's so cool how a third movie can 
bring it all together. And so right. I... I appreciate this movie for being what it was. It was super clean, really pretty shots, even though it was mostly set in like a dingy, dimly lit, like, uh, like it didn't have a ton to play with all the time, but it, it was so visually just stunning to me. Yeah. Um, just the last bit of little trivia here is that M. Night has stated that the shooting this film was the most challenging of his career. Mm. Um, which I can kind of see because I mean I think everything we've seen up until this point has been pretty open like in mm. terms of I don't even know how to describe it this just felt like a very closed tight movie well and I remember right after we watched this again you had made the comment Brandon that it was kind of a forgettable setting yep. the dungeon mm -hmm. and that made me realize that it's because, yeah, it is so closed and tight and there's not a lot to, like, you can't map it, you know? Like, there's there's no way to place yourself in the world in the shots that are most of Split. But that's also perfect for this movie because the girls don't know where they are. Right, that's a really well-used technique in film is to place people in otherworldly, hard-to-understand settings to unnerve and make uncomfortable. We've got just a few percent of battery left. Do you want to go ahead and thank some people? First, thank you so much for listening. Please share this with a friend if you're enjoying The Bargain Den at night. At night. And um, tune in next week for the finale of our little trio. It's the only series that I'm aware of, movie series from M. Night's directorial repertoire. So we'll wrap that up next week. I'd like to thank Anchor for hosting our podcast I also want to thank the Lounge Kittens for the use of their cover of Dirty Deeds, and I'd like to thank Sarah Anastasia for the use of her art that we use as our thumbnail, and then I want to thank our Bargainer. Who's our Bargainer this week, Brandon? Our Bargainer is Jack3245. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. You can become our Bargainer if you go onto iTunes Podcast, go down and scroll down, leave us a review, and we'll see it there when we read it when we record the podcast. You can also leave us a review elsewhere. Just let us know. Send us an email at thebargaindincast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social medias or um, get us up on Anchor. You can always leave us a voicemail there and we'll see it and yeah, if you have big disagreements with our opinions on M, M. Night, then, you know. Let us know. We might include it. We might just include it. As long as you're nice. Be relatively nice. I mean, you can say you, like, hate the dude, but just don't be Yeah, mean. like, you, you can disagree with us without trashing, you know. Thank you, everybody. We will be back next week for a brand new episode talking about glass. My name is Brandon. My name is Donna. Pinch those pennies. And stay frugal. I don't know any more nightshades. You start. Do you know any more? We've done tomatoes and eggplants. Hey, Siri. Alexa. Hold on. We're looking up a list of nightshades. Potatoes. Poke. There. Pretty. Purple. Panties. <laughs> when they plead their paltry 
with P- paltry's an adjective. What? Paltry is an adjective. What does it mean? Like not a lot. Cases. <laughs> But you ain't got the guts. She keeps nagging at you night and day. Enough to drive you.